In fact, I volunteered. I said, I'd really like to talk to the church about our finances. Because Jesus certainly didn't shy away from it. He, he talked plenty about financial things. Uh, in fact, all through the Bible, it's not just a New Testament phenomenon. Well, you, maybe you could say it's, it's a very important thing. But one thing it is, it's where we can't lie to ourselves about what's important. Because if we look at our paychecks and we see where it got spent, we can't very well say, well, this one was really important to me, but I decided not to do it. And so I didn't, I didn't spend any money on it. Or, or this thing's not very important to me, but I've really been spending half my paychecks on it for the last five years. Right? I mean, it's where the rubber meets the road on that sort of thing. So, and also, the other thing is, we're going to be looking at a variety of different passages here, because while there are very clear principles about how we handle the money we're entrusted with, there's not a lot of simple formulas that say, okay, well, let's see, we'll take your paycheck, your deductions, and here's how much you owe at the end of the week. You know, there, there's not, it's not quite so simple as that. But there are very clear principles that God lays out. And so we're going to look at some different, different items here in the Word. And I would say my job is only to bring your attention to these things. Uh, I'm no entertainer, anything like that. Uh, so my job is to bring your attention to it. I can't convict you of what you're doing wrong. I can't confirm for you that what you're doing is right. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And so what I would really ask is anything that in your mind is the smallest question about what I say today and how you might relate to that, go back. Go back and look at what it says in the Bible and decide for yourself what God is saying to you. Because we, remember, this is the church. We don't have a priesthood, right? We are the priesthood. Every one of us here who's a believer is a minister of God's grace. So it's not like in the Old Testament where the priest actually interceded in between you and God. We don't have that today. We have God's Holy Spirit in our heart interceding for us. And so I just wanted to, to lay that out real clear before we get into any subject matter that I'm trying to direct your attention to things that I would hope God would confirm in your heart that what you're doing is right, convict you if there are things that you need to change, and just show you himself and how he wants you to be with him. So, before we dig into that, let's just pray, please. Our Heavenly Father, you are so good. You give us so much. Who are, who are we? I think how, how David prayed to you. Who am I that you should regard me? But you have. You've, you've given us this world as a trust to take care of, to use the resources we have wisely. And Lord, I just ask that this morning, for each one of us here, that you would just encourage our hearts, encourage us to keep doing the things we're doing well, encourage us to change things where it's areas that we can grow and that we can become more like your son, where we can please you, where we can be a pleasing offering to you. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Okay, so let's get grounded first. What is the backdrop for giving? Okay, let's just, and I'm just going to look at some of these passages are so familiar, you could probably quote them. 
But looking at Psalm 24.1 is a very, very familiar Scripture. It says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and all, excuse me, the world and those who dwell in it. And then it goes on to talk about his greatness. So, right out of the gate, everything in my bank account, everything that I earn, it's all his, right? Okay, so it's all the Lord's. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 6.20 is another very familiar passage. He says, For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. It's, he's talking about immoral behaviors and all, but he's talking about each one of us, we have been bought with the blood of Christ. That's being live as part of God's family. We are bought with the blood of Christ. And then in Romans, and I'll give you a minute. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read in Romans 11. starting at verse 33. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became His counselor? Or who has first given to Him that it might be paid back to Him again? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. So, who's, who's first given to God, right? So, so, so that's, that's our basic backdrop, right? Everything we have is the Lord. So, I might feel like, let's say I find something, or I'm just given something. And, and test this in your own mind. If I had a hundred bucks in my hand, and I came down and I gave it to Jack, and I said, Jack, do something good with this hundred bucks. How different, or anybody, you know, Hope, here's a hundred bucks, do something good with it. You know, any, anybody out here, I, I give you a hundred bucks, do something good with it. How different would that feel than the hundred dollars that you earned with the sweat of your brow? And if you're like me, intellectually, it's not any different, but in practice, it probably is a little bit different because I feel a different sense of entitlement to it if I worked really hard to earn that money. Now, I think that's just because I forget and I lose track of the fact that the sweat of my brow is just God's gift to keep me cool while I'm doing the work that he gave me the strength to do. He gave me the opportunity to do. He gave it all to me. So I'm thinking, ooh, the sweat of my brow, I'm really working hard, I earned this. And maybe before men I have. But before God, the sweat of my brow is just a gift from him to keep my body from overheating and expiring. Right? I mean, that's what sweat's for. I have plenty of it usually. Um, <laughs> so, so all that, it's all God. So now what does, what does giving really mean? You know, how does... What is our role in this whole equation? Okay, so let's look at Romans 12. First verse, since we're already there. 
um, from 11. And this is, once again, these are, these are not obscure passages I dug out and found. These are just very familiar passages to many of us. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's our bodies, okay? Oh, well, that's not my money. Well, wait a minute. No, no. <laughs> that's a little closer to home, right? That, that's ourselves, everything about ourselves, right? So, going back, what else is our role? What, what are we supposed to be doing? Okay, all this stuff is God's anyway, whether it's in my checking account, whether it's got my name on the title, it's all God's. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he says, and God blessed them, this is after God made Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so that seems pretty clear, right? We're supposed to govern all these things around us. So, you know, to bring up a touchy subject, global warming, right? I have to tell you, I haven't heard any science that's strong on either side. It sounds like a lot of people arguing emotion, but it is our job to take care of the world, right? It's our job to rule the world. We are not in the world of we are the earth. No, God made all of it, and he made us and said, here's a job for you. This is all your stuff to take care of. Use it well. Use it wisely. Use it for my glory, right? So um, not to get off too far on the, on the tangent there, but that's what God said. Do this, okay? And... Um, Looking at Matthew, excuse me, my page numbers here are a little funny. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 29. And we're not going to read through this whole section, but I wanted to call your attention here. Uh, it's, the, it's the story of Jesus is, is using a parable to teach. And um, he's talking about the kingdom. He says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five, another gave two, another gave one. And it's a familiar story. If anybody here doesn't know it, essentially, he goes away, he comes back, and um, the one who he gave five, he says, here's your five, and, and here I earned another five with it. Same thing with the two. And then the one different story, the one didn't do anything, but to the ones with the five and the two who said, hey, I did what I could with what you gave me. He says, well done. Enter into, and depending on the joy, I think it says your father's rest, or, or let me see what it says in this particular translation. In verse 23, he says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Okay? Enter, and keep that in mind for a little later. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Enter into the joy of your master. So, all these things, 
It's all our money, right? We all have free freedom to write the checks where we want to write it. We have freedom to use our skills and ability the way we want it. So, so where does the church fit into all this? Right? Because if everything I have is God's in the first place, well, I want to serve God by taking good care of my family. I want to serve God by being generous with my neighbors. I want to serve God by doing the work I do excellently, and that might require buying good tools. So, so where is the answer to, well, where does the church fit into this? So I could give you all kinds of John Ashton's thinking about the rationale of how the church fits into this, but I think it's better just to look at what the word tells us. And I didn't look up a bunch of verses for us on the tithe from the Old Testament, but most folks here are probably familiar with how the nation of Israel was commanded to give a tenth of what they had. The Levites, who were the ones who served the nation of Israel in, in serving in the temple and, and all the work that was associated with that, they, get, they got no land in the nation of Israel. For the others, uh, the, the other tribes, they were all parceled out land. And the Levites were told, no, the Lord is your inheritance. You're to serve him in the service of him in the temple. And the tithe, which was set aside as sacred by everybody, went to the Levites. And that was for them to be able to, to live off of, right? That, so, so in the Old Testament, we have this principle of giving for the service of the Lord and his worship, okay? So we're all serving the Lord, right? I mean, I hope, when I say we're all, anybody here who has put their faith in Christ hopefully is serving the Lord, right? I mean, that's, that's why he saved us. He, he saved us for good works that he prepared ahead of time for us to do, right? So hopefully we're all serving the Lord. So the Levites in the Old Testament, the, the tribe of Levi, the God told everybody, set aside your, your first fruits, set aside the tenth, the tithe, and that goes to the Levites. Okay, so, so we have that as a pattern, certainly not in the Old Testament a commandment, just like, thankfully, God didn't say to us, you can't eat pork. Think of all that. We'd lose bacon, pork roll, all those good things that we would lose. <laughs> so fortunately, the the Mosaic law does not apply directly to us. However, we also don't go around killing people, right? Thou shalt not kill. We don't go around stealing things from people. Thou shalt not steal. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that show us the heart of God, right? So we don't want to throw away and neglect the law. The law was there to point the nation of Israel to God, okay? So, and, and also to make them aware that sin was what ruled them prior to Christ, saving them, okay? So, so, but we don't want to throw away the law. So, I do want, the reason I went into that whole thing around the tithe, aside from just, maybe that's the principle that God wants to use today, um, that it, it's not something to ignore, because that's, it is an example of how God provided for the service of his worship among his people, okay? 
So that's, that's what God did with the tithe. But let's look at, um, let me see if I have the right passage here. Um, first Corinthians. Got my notes a little mixed up here. So First uh, Corinthians. I can get there. Nine verses thirteen and fourteen. Okay. So in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is talking about really the focus of that. He's talking about how he came for these people to know the gospel. And that he was very much entitled to be paid and all, but he didn't. He went and he worked hard at night making tents and different things so that there would be no question about the veracity of what he was bringing to them. But he also makes clear a principle here. And he says in in, uh, verses 13 and 14, Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share with the altar. Okay, so that was, remember, this is the Levites at that time, right? And, and the priesthood and all. The, the people in service there had that tent. So then he says in verse 14, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Okay, now some people would, would argue that, that this is really telling us, hey, the tithe is what we should be, be giving to the church. I don't see that as a black and white thing in the word, but let the Lord convict your heart about what the right thing is. He might want you to give five. He might want you to give 25. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Joe, sorry. <laughs> I knew sooner or later I did that. There I go again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my apologies there. But, so, but I point that out to say there are many faithful men and women who have decided that that is a standard that relates to the tithe that was paid in the Old Testament of what we should consider with giving. Meanwhile, all along, we're talking about it's all the Lord's, right? And going back to just sort of reinforcing that Steve Adler passed me an article on giving, and and it was uh, John Piper, I think, who wrote it. And he had this uh, a real good illustration about why we don't just say, well, you know, all my money's for the Lord. Everything I do, it's all, I'm serving the Lord with all of it. And he said, well, and, and I think he addressed it to the men, but you could address it to women just the same. So he said to the men, you know, if you tell your wife, yeah, I really love you, and um, I, I go to work for you every day, I do that, I take care of the, the house, I, you know, I, I go hone my golfing skills so I can do better with the people I meet at work to play golf, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> but whatever it is, but he ne- you never spend any time with her. Are you going to have a happy wife? Well, I don't know. Maybe it depends what kind of guy you are. Hopefully, you're gonna <laughs> hopefully your wife is going to want to be with you, right? Or likewise, the other direction. You know, uh, women, if, if you're saying, oh, yeah, I love you. I, all the things I do are around your desires, your needs, your wants. But I'm never focused on you. What are we, you know... Does that really ring true, or does it seem pretty hollow? And that was, that was his issue about how when you look at the tithe, that it wasn't simply 
okay, we need to fund this. It was set aside that money. It's sacred to God. It, it was oftentimes referred to as sacred. So that was set aside to say, God, you've given me all this stuff to care for. I'm going to take a piece of that so that I'm really looking at you and understanding that you control all of it, not just the part I give back to you to say, and when I say give back, that I take out of my own control for your service. But you're, you really have all of it anyway. You made it in the first place. You control all of it, but I'm recognizing it by putting this portion out of my control and into your control for your service. So moving on to um, the, the next item here. And this is, this is another simple, very simple item in terms of what we, what we do is, <clears throat> excuse me, and this was Jesus talking in uh, Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Once again, this is nothing that if you've been in church for long, you haven't heard somebody speak to. Um, really very familiar passages. So, um, did I give you the right verse? Matthew six nineteen to 21. Oh, sorry. I just had my page, or I had my, uh, I had a very, very little <laughs> page marker for that one. Okay, so Matthew six nineteen to 21. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When we set that aside, it actually helps us to keep that focus on the Lord, who we're giving it over into his, um, to his uses directly. So... All these things, sometimes it, I don't know if you're like me, I'm a, I'm a very rational person. And so I always try and think of the logic in each subject. And a lot of times this issue of giving, when I'm talking about giving, giving of our financial resources, it can become very, a very cold, analytical, what's the, what should I be doing with these things that God gave me? How much? Where? All those kind of questions. And it can come, become very cold. And I think in some ways, that's probably why I sometimes fail in the area of paying attention to it. Because I got to tell you, it doesn't, like for me, some people love to go through their budget. And, and if you're one of those people out there, you know it. You like going through your budget, having it all laid out. When the bills come in, you pay them right that first day, just so it's all boom, it's, it's done. And you're very organized and orderly like that. Or then you're the other end of the spectrum, you're like me. Every time you look at the budget, you're kind of thinking, well, it doesn't matter how much I make, there's always something more I would use it for. <laughs> and so it just, it's a balancing thing if I'm trying to you know, squeeze 25 out of 23 or whatever. You know, it just, and, and it's not fun. There's no fun to it. So, but I think when we think about our giving, we have to look at it and understand it for what it is. Because it really is not that. It's not a budget exercise. And we're going to talk about that with, 
at the uh, town hall today about what we have to do with setting a budget for the church, but that's, that's specifically managing that financial matter. But in terms of our hearts and what we do, that's, that's not the heart of it. Um, just to kind of give a little couple connection points. Yesterday, David and I, uh, my second oldest son, we rode in the MS, or I forget what they call it now. It used to be MS-150, City to Shore. It's a bike, uh, bike ride fundraiser for the Multiple Sclerosis Society. And there were over 7,000 people there. And if you ask them all why they were riding, some people would say, oh, it's a fun ride. I like the ride. Nothing wrong with that. Other people would say, it's a good cause. Other people would say, well, I have a brother with MS, or my mother had MS, or friend with MS, and so I really want to raise money for that and bring awareness to the cause. All different things. But for every one of those people, they could have done those things without being part of that MS ride. That MS ride, I believe for a lot of those people, meant being part of something bigger and doing something more important than just them themselves. Because I think that's a desire God naturally built into us as people. That's why people follow other people. It's because we want to be together. We want to be not just our own little thing. Yeah, I, I, and that, you know, I'm not saying that this verse tells me that people want to be that. That's just an observation uh, about us in life. And to, to make it personal about how these things translate back to God. So, oh, by the way, if you see me suddenly move funny, there's nothing wrong, it's just a cramp because I rode much further than I should have. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but if you look at the... Um, think if... Let me ask, who in here has ever bent over a nail accidentally when they were hammering it in? Even as a child, let's say. Anybody else? Okay. Now, now a little bit smaller group, maybe. Who has ever had one of your children helping you on a project, bending over lots of nails? Anybody else? Okay, okay. Well, I don't know if I can say this for sure for everybody who raised their hand, but I know for me, I've, I've done a lot of projects. Those of you know, who know me, we, we built the house we live in now. We built the house we were living in before that. And I did a lot of it with the sweat and labor of my children. Um, <laughs> starting from a very early age, it was probably, you know, if child services is here, you can lock me up afterwards. But, uh, but when they start out, maybe you can relate to this. I, I mean, Johnny, my oldest, he's 26 now. But he would come over, Marla would bring him over when he was... I don't know whether he was two years old, maybe. And I was cutting the mortise and tenons in the timbers to assemble for our house. It had that sort of barn style inside. And he'd come over and he'd bring the combination square and he would see me doing stuff, so he would just bring it over and he'd stick it in the, in the mortises. And I'd say, you checking? And yeah, checking, checking, you know. So he's helping in his mind. And that didn't really slow me down any. But then you get to the next stage where they're actually learning something. And they're... 
they're hammering in the nails and you're you're kind of thinking okay how hard do i want to get hit do i want to hold it or do i want to let them hold the nail you know <laughs> and and just how many nails do i want to let them hammer in before i kind of give up and say i'm going to say okay well thanks for the help go play i'll take it but there's a number of years in there where every job you get helped with takes a lot longer with the help than it would have taken without the help and i can tell you I treasured every one of those jobs. I mean, that, that's the best. You know, when your kids, well, maybe the best is later on when they're really helpful <laughs> and they still want to help. But, <laughs> but it really, it's, it just, I think of what joy that brought me when they would come and help me, you know. And I think about our giving. Does God need my $10, my $100,000, my billion dollars? Does he need me to give him a penny? I don't really think so. But does he like me to give? Does he invite me to be part of that big thing that he's doing? And I believe absolutely. And I want to look at a passage that it's very familiar, but it's not generally talked about in the context of giving. Um, And it's about the value of what a little thing because I don't care if Warren Buffett's sitting in here and giving half his money. That's a little tiny thing in God's economy, right? Let's, let's face it. We, God has the whole world of this stuff. And so what we give is tiny compared to that. But it's our heart that he's after. And that's what gives him the joy. When my sons would bend over nail after nail, they weren't giving me a ton of help at that point. But boy, they were giving me a ton of joy. They were giving me a tremendous offering when they came to help me that way. So let's look at John 6, verse 5 through 14. And we're not going to read the whole passage. We'll sort of talk some about it. Okay. So this is um, Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he intended to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus therefore took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise all of the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Well, it doesn't say whether the kid who had the loaves and fishes said, here, Jesus, take my lunch, or whether Andrew had sort of coerced him out of it ahead of time and said, I'll give you a shekel for your fishes. But somebody gave that money, whether it was how the disciples got it to use it or whether it was that boy just offered up his lunch. And God fed 5,000 people. Can you imagine that kid the rest of his life telling that story? 
Uncle, uh, you know, Uncle Simon, tell that story again about the fish, you know. That's what God allowed him to participate in. He, um, look at the lady who gave her two pennies, the poor woman, when Jesus was sitting with his disciples. And he said, God, or when the rich folks were dumping in a good bit more money, and he said, did you see that? She gave more than all the rest. And I always thought it was interesting that he didn't say it was as if she gave more. He didn't say that. He said she gave more because it was all she had. And I think that's, that says something about the value of what God will use the thing, the, the value that God will place on the things that we give him when we give it not just from our leftovers, not just from our overflow, but when we say, God, you are more important than maybe whatever other thing it might be that I might spend this money on, and I want to put it in your hands to see how you use it. Who knows how he used those two pennies in the coffers? You know, we don't know. All we know is that he said real directly, that was more than all the others gave. And we know that those loaves and fishes, he made lots of people satisfied with. You know, not just, not just you know, oh no, there's one hot dog left. Who wants it? <laughs> it was a lot of people satisfied. So when, just to kind of sum up some of these things, when I think about giving and our money, the, the, the main principles, I think, first off, it's all his in the first place. God doesn't need a penny of my money. Because it's not mine anyway, but <laughs> he's got plenty. He can do whatever he wants with whatever he wants. But it all belongs to him. Yet, he's given really everything on earth into our care as human beings. He's given it into our care. So that's it's all his. He's put it in our care. I think the third principle that rings true to me is he wants us to set aside from the best of what we have. Not just what we have, but the best of what we have. If you look, uh, if you Google first fruits, Bible, anything like that, you'll, you'll see all kinds of references you'll find about bringing the first of what we have. Um, he wants that and that he'll use what we give him for good things. That it's not just okay, I helped balance the budget at the church or at this ministry I gave to or whatever, um, but that he's going to use it for real things that are going to make a difference, not just today, not just tomorrow, but for eternity. And um, so that's what I wanted to uh, point you towards, like I said, and I would really hope that you would leave today either rejoicing that God has helped you to do what you ought to be doing in this area, and that you're doing just what he wants, or to convict you to dig in further and say, okay, maybe I should be doing some things a little differently, or maybe some of both. You know, maybe in one area of my life I'm doing it real well, and in another, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit off. But that's my prayer, and, and I'd like you to just join me, and let's, let's pray.